possible. And that is going to do it for the show this week. For the full arts report, that is. Yep, the arts report is every Wednesday, 5 to 6. But today, stick around uh, because just after the break, you can hear the extra, the arts extra. Find us on Twitter, CITR underscore arts report and on Facebook and check out our posts every week for all our details at citr.ca and we do podcasts so you can listen to it later stick around for the arts extra where we'll talk about pick of the fringe after the break Bad news, nobody. On Friday, June 22nd, Shaw Cable will be discontinuing their FM channels meaning they will no longer broadcast CITR It's a good thing we have this big antenna. CITR, still 101.9 on your FM dial and online at citr.ca. Are you tired of spending your hard-earned money on CDs, compact discs, I mean, DVDs even, whatever, anything that might be better with radioness? I'm sick of listening to music without any funny quips in between. No commercials? I mean, come on. What about Jay? Mark. Jason. The Baird. All those guys. Now you'll never have to miss out on crazy Mark Farabee. And Jason. The Bear. Paulette. Because CITR 101.9 FM in in Vancouver Vancouver has come up with their their own label. That's right. You can listen to music and never have to listen to... You can listen to music and never have to miss out on the radio-ness. Listen to Friday Sunrise, Fridays from 7.30 to 9 a.m. on 101.9 CITR with your hosts, Mark Farabee and Jason Paulette. Do you want to have your music played? Have your horoscope read or just give us some random advice? Send us an email at fridaysunrise at vanmusic.ca. Or call us during the show, 604-UBC-CITR or 604-822-248-SUNRISE. Fridays from 7.30 to 9 a.m. For the Arts Extra, the new bi-weekly half hour where CITO, CITR hosts bonus arts content like special events, themes, or arts documentaries because I didn't do enough work every week for you anyway. <laughs> this week we're looking at the pick of the fringe. You can check out all the picks of the fringe at vancouverfringe.com slash 2012 pick of the fringe. Yes, The Fringe is over, and this is the pick of The Fringe. Ten shows who will be sticking around because they're so damn popular. Admission is only 18 bucks and 10 bucks for the pick plus, which is post-secret on Saturday, September 22nd and the 23rd. So we have uh, a few shows today, and, and one of the shows that was so popular that it was hard to even get a ticket 
was God is a Scottish Drag Queen, which we'll be replaying Friday, September 21st at 9.30. You've never seen God like this before. She'll express opinions on everything from the Pope to Vancouver hipsters in this uh, stand-up performance by God herself that the Edmonton Journal called nonstop brilliant. And if I've pushed all the buttons correctly, I may be able to get God on the line right now. Hello, God. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. It it's just it's an amazing honor to have God on the radio show. Anytime. Now, I'm happy to be here. Now you you just won pick of the fringe. Vancouver I, loves God. I did. I find that I I don't uh, one of 10. I was the first though that I don't know if that is a thing. Is that a thing? It, I, why not? It's a thing now. There we are. Yes. That was very nice. I was not there. I heard that people got to pick up rubber chickens, but I did not. I was not there. Now, uh, what uh, has the response been as you visit various cities uh, for the Fringe Fest? What's it like to to be on the Fringe Circuit? Uh, It's been very nice. Uh, We we sold out uh, Montreal, uh, Edmonton, Victoria, uh, and now now Vancouver. So, So we've had a good time, but we haven't been in Canada for very long. But but it's been good so far. It's been a good summer to be here. It's hot, but that's fine. Now, this little description says that you you have opinions on, on Vancouver hipsters. I have opinions on lots of things. It's, well, can you, can you give me a, f- a few of your opinions? Because I'd, I'd like to let people know um, when they meet God what God's going to say. Well, I think that they should wear comfortable pants and, and, and sensible shoes. That's my opinion. But Vancouver, I was unaware, would have such extreme hipsters. It's weird to, to go and do a show under a bridge. That, that's a hard thing to tell people about. Just come on down. We're in a wee theatre, but you have to go under a bridge. In, no, in normal cities, that's sketchy and scary. But it, it, the hipsters are nice in Vancouver, except a wee bit intense with half their heads shaved and thick, l- luscious beards, even on the girls. I like it. But it, it's it's a weird thing. It was hard to get used to. Do you, do you think maybe they need some Scottish pragmatism? or? No, I think they need looser trousers. That's uh, it. I think the trousers are too tight. And now, what made uh, you as God, uh, and also a Scottish drag queen, uh, decide to take your message on the road in these theatre circuits? Well... I can't go to large places. Uh, we, we talk about this in the show. Uh, I'm not able to come out onto the telly and say, oh, I exist, here we are. But I can go to smaller theatres. I can go, for instance, in in uh, Montreal, we were in a bar. I can talk to 150 people in a bar because, you know, they, then they leave and they tell their friends, oh, I got drunk and talk to God in a bar, nobody's going to believe them. I can get away with it. And, and I think that's the same for Vancouver. Nobody's going to believe that you paid $20 to go under a bridge to talk to the Lord. So I get away with it safe. So I think I'm in the clear. And uh, could you maybe give us one piece of advice um, that, that listeners can, can take away and hold with them and, until they see your show on the, on the 21st? But it should be other than seeing the show, because that's good advice. Oh, of course. Well, I'm already giving them that advice, and, and they, I think I'm, I'm pretty near to God for my listeners, but, you know, next step up from you, what would be another piece of advice you have? I think staying away from polyester mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. whales. Mm-hmm. They're dangerous in their own ways. 
Yes, very, very large and um, and also very uh, snobbish about materials. So you get polyester and, and whales together. They are. Dangerous. I dislike them equally. <laughs> whales more... I made a mistake because whales, uh, they, they are the most depressed animal in the world that I ever created. And it's because they're 50 feet long and they hate being wet. And mo- nobody ever believes me. They, oh, they're so happy, but they're not. Go listen to them. That's why they sound like that. That's why, ooh, that's not a happy sound. That's sad. They're no. so tired of being pruny. That's why. They just want to be dry for a minute. Well, I'm I'm glad that they have someone to talk to in you. Uh, anytime. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us, God. And uh, please, if you would like more thoughts uh, from... Her Holiness, uh, please check out God is a Scottish Drag Queen, Friday, September 21st at 9.30 p.m. And check out uh, all the information on VancouverFringe.com, Pick of the Fringe. Thanks so much. Thank you. Oh, wow. What a, what an exciting um, thing to happen. I, I, I never thought I would have such a, an eminent guest on the arts report, let alone my little arts extra thing that we're doing here. But, um, oh, okay. Um, well, anyway, I'll, I'll come, you know, gain my composure and then move along with the show. Um, we have uh, a few interviews with some of the uh, picks of the fringe uh, this year. And first off, um, I talked to uh, another uh, maybe non-human, we could say, uh talked to a, a couple of creators who've created a living cartoon called Francis. Uh, the team at Wonderheads uh, that brought you Grimm and Fisher, the exceedingly popular show uh, from Fringes Around the World, um, they bring you Francis and Loon. Now, Wonderheads, if you don't know, is a physical theater duo who uh, do large masks over their whole head, uh, giving the performer an air of uh, a living cartoon they call themselves, or Pixar for grown-ups. And Loon is the story of Francis, a 50-something who is unlucky in love and in life. Uh, he is unable uh, to be lonely anymore. You know, he can't, he can't stand it. So he decides that he's going to look elsewhere for love, and he decides the moon is where he's going to go. And this is the story of his love affair with, uh, with that heavenly body. And uh, I spoke to Kate and Andrew about the show. Kate is the actor, mask, and sound designer and co-creator of Loon and co-artistic director of Wonderheads. Uh, her partner is Andrew, who is the director, stage manager, sound technician, set designer, and co-creator and co-artistic director. And what I wanted to know first and foremost is why would someone go to such lengths for love? What is it that makes it so difficult for him to find love on Earth? Gosh, that's a good question. He, um, <laughs> he, he, he's a just sort of a lonely, awkward guy in general. And he also, the, the show starts with um, actually the loss of his mom. So he's sort of at, at the loneliest point in his life. And he's reaching out. He's using a dating service to try and find someone, but just, but just can't seem to, to make it work. So... Yeah, so he uh, he goes another way, another path. 
And I mean, in in acting, your your face, your your eyes, um, they tend to be, you know, the window to the soul. They're one of your, you know, biggest tools in the toolbox. So how how do you? Um, what kind of strategies do you use to convey all this complexity and emotion when the actor is wearing a mask? Well, that's kind of the magic of of mask work um, in general. Is that the goal is is that even though there's a mask on the actor's face, um, the use of physicality and physical expression actually quite literally and magically changes the expression of the mask itself. That's one of the comments we get the most um, after people have seen the show is, is that they swear the mask has changed expressions during the show. And it's really just, it's the job of the actor to to know the mask well enough that to tilt it this way makes it smile and to shift it that way makes it frown and to and to use the body as well to to exaggerate those things so that's kind of the the magic that we work with it's fun during the design process to imagine how i would actually use that mask that i'm working on and then that said once once the mask is actually finished there's always surprises that that come out of it when once it's on the body so it's uh it's fun to plan but it's also fun to discover the surprises what were some of the surprises that uh you had with with loon's mask we, if any uh, yeah he well he he's a he has a very strong expression of uh ooh, anxiety and nervousness and and he's a bit fearful and and that's sort of the main expression that he has and yet, even so, we discovered um, we discovered he, he's capable of a great big smile as well, which is which I I tried to do a little bit when I made the mask, but but it came out even more in the play of it, which was really great because you want a mask to be capable of of multiple expressions, at least for the the work that we do. And Andrew, your role as director must must be all that more important because of having to really notice and interpret and emphasize uh you know the relationship between the space and kate in the mask yeah absolutely i mean we call it director we also call it outside eye mm-hmm. um which is really uh, telling about what it really is it's somebody reading into what you're doing because what kate may think she's doing with the mask um may not read that way to me outside in a, in a certain context or in a certain moment um so yeah, it really is. You have to rely and trust that person um, uh, to say, you know, that is what I'm getting, how I how I feel from seeing it. Um, also, the vision um, in the masks are is are is pretty limited. So, uh, so that's another reason that I really have to rely on Andrew for that kind of direction, <laughs> um, because I just can't can't see very well. <laughs> so he has the play and your life in his hands. Yes, basically. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, tell me about mascot syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> mascot syndrome. I can't remember if that's something we've coined or, or we've talked to other people about this who've had similar experiences. But, yeah, mascot syndrome. Um, I mean, that that happens to us basically with fringe festivals. A large part of marketing is is going out uh, to the lineups of other shows and flyering for your show. So handing out handbills to audience members to, to try and attract them to your show. And um, and we'll always go out in costume. So I'll go out dressed as Francis because it's really great for generating, you know, for getting attention and get, getting people excited about it. 
Um, but when, for some reason, when uh, when you wear a full costume like that, I mean, he's uh, he's he's kind of like a walking cartoon character. So when that happens, when I'm out and about as Francis, something something is freed in them. They hug. They get more physical with you than they normally would with it. Well, they, a stranger with they anyone. They smack your butt. They you smack know, you. Yeah, they smack your butt. They might tell you things that they would. They'll we'll we'll, we'll get notes about our show from people sometimes. <laughs> I don't know if they would do that with. <laughs> With just you know a person in regular regular attire, it's pretty funny. People get yeah get they're freed somehow by by this character. <laughs> when we went out and about in with Grim and Fisher, I've actually been punched yeah. in the head because they thought <laughs> oh, it was no. they thought it was rubber and they thought it would just be soft and it wouldn't hurt me and it didn't hurt me, but it, it's a paper mache mask, so it, it luckily didn't hurt the mask. And then also um, uh, poked in up into the nostril of, of his nose, which on Grimm was actually where my eyes were. So it came, <laughs> came close to poking me in the eye. Um, uh, I think it also helps, mascot syndrome helps if the um, the person on the outside has also been drinking. That tends to <laughs> yes. escalate mascot syndrome. So, so mask work is can be a, a little bit dangerous. It's true. There are risks involved, yes. As you've been touring it, was there anything that changed or developed in Loon? We felt there was some confusion about sort of the trajectory and, and the outside world. Um, people were saying it was all in his head, it was all a fantasy, which we didn't have a problem with, but it wasn't necessarily what we intended. We wanted people to believe he really does all these things. He goes to the moon, he... Takes it from the sky, he brings it back to his home. We did actually, after uh, Regina, which was our first fringe, uh, festival this summer, we added in uh, kind of an outside radio world. Um, so he always uh, turns on the radio for his um, the, the ashes of his mother to listen to, his mom to listen to. And then we, we added in a, a, a bit where um, the effects of the moon being taken from the sky, how that was affecting the rest of the world. And it's a really slight thing, but it helps kind of give a context and a perspective about uh, the the broader effect of, of his actions. And you can check out Loon Thursday, September 20th at 7.15 p.m. where Francis, a single janitor, takes his fantastical do- voyage through a dating service to pluck the moon from the sky. Thank you so much to uh, Kate and Andrew for joining us and uh, another show that looks uh, to be quite, quite entertaining, but is not, in fact, a pick of the fringe, but rather a holdover from the fringe at Carousel Theater, is Weak Sauce. From the creator of the three-time best of the fast fringe hit Tinfoil Dinosaur, Sam Mullins tells you about the summer he turned 16. It's his first time living away from home. It's his first real job. He's fallen in love for the first time. He's fallen into a love triangle for the first time. And he's had a fight with a baboon. Yeah, a baboon. You know, man stuff. Uh, This is a taste of the story of Weak Sauce. Sam studied uh, at UVic, but he quit acting right after he graduated. He wanted to be a comedian, a storyteller. Uh, He is in a comedy troupe with Peter and Chris... You may know them from Furious, Anger, Fun, Hour. Uh, 
uh, and is also touring Tinfoil, which has won accolades all over the place. Uh, Weak Sauce itself has been nominated for an award at the Fringe this year, and even Colin Thomas liked it. So, let's hear a little bit about the story of Weak Sauce. When I was 16 years old, I got this uh, job. It was my first real summer job, and it was my first time like getting on a plane and leaving home by myself, you know. I was so excited because it was I, I loved going to that camp when I was younger and and it just seemed like the, the best job ever and um I show up and it's a bunch of uh camp counselors around my age, you know, and we're all kind of <laughs> kind of like drunk with power for our summer job and stuff <laughs> and uh <laughs> right away I met this girl. From the second that I saw her, I knew that I was doomed. I was completely enamored with her right away. So I started hanging out with her as much as I could. Everything's going great. And then all of a sudden, there's this British guy that I was working with, too, named David Oliver. And he was into Amanda, too, and Amanda was into him, too. It's those accents. Yeah, I know, I know. That's why that's why I say in the show, like, there's... <laughs> There's something so endearing to Canadians about the way that they butcher their own language. Like, hey, David, what time is it? He'll be like, oh, it's about 11.30. A Canadian kid will be like, mommy, help me tie my shoes. He'll be like, god damn it, Skylar, you loop, you swoop, and you pull. But a British kid will be like, mommy, I can't tie my shoes. And he'll be like, oh, my God, you are the cutest thing. You are cuter than a baby dressed as a muffin. I will help you tie your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was it was just like the classic love triangle, you know, where she was really torn. And both of these, <laughs> like, this other guy, he was essentially the British version of myself, you know, a real battle to the death. <laughs> what, and, uh, but no one was actually killed during this process. No, right? no, no, we all survived. All of the damage was in our hearts and minds, you know. <laughs> now, did this baboon do any damage? Leisure day, where a school bus takes you to the Hockey Hall of Fame, to Wayne Gretzky's restaurant, and then out to the suburbs for a nice, relaxing afternoon at African Lion Safari. Like this big, ridiculous zoo in the suburbs. It's like this crazy zoo, and it's like structured like Jurassic Park in that uh, you're in a vehicle as you go past the dinosaurs or a bunch of uh, malnourished and confused African animals. Well, I mean, nothing went wrong in Jurassic Park, right? So (laughs) it's fine. It's a good scenario. Yeah, we're, we're going along and it's like, it's really, there's like dangerous animals right on the other side of glass. So you have to have all your windows up the whole time and we're really hot. And finally, there's a sign that says that you can put the window down, so we put all the windows down. And then there's another sign that says, put your windows back up, so we put all the windows back up. And then there's a third sign that says, danger, baboons ahead. And uh, so we're going along, and um, a bunch of, we go past this tree, and a bunch of baboons drop onto the hood of the school bus. And uh, one of the windows, when we were supposed to put them all back up, one of them was stuck down, and we didn't think it was going to be a problem. And then a huge male baboon starts shimmying right towards the open window. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm, like, racing it to the window from the inside. 
and uh, I'm trying to get the window up and I couldn't get it up. So then I had to essentially like protect the children from the large male baboon that was trying to get in the school bus with us. So and, it was uh, the summer you became a hero as much of a, as a man. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It's, I, I do, I do dub it as the summer I became a man. You know, because it, it's funny. Uh, in the piece, it's kind of like, yes, I lost my virginity for the first time. Yes, I had to confront a a primate in like an aggressive manner. Um, but I think the real thing that made me a man that summer was uh, my relationship with this guy that I was having this love triangle with, you know, because I was really, I was really awful to him and I was really shitty to him and I, I really hated him. But um, the, the big lesson I learned is that after the baboon thing, especially it's like, uh, I, I'm like, I don't hate this guy. I'm just threatened by him. One of one of the lines in my show is um, when I think of all the all the people I've ever met that I consider an enemy in my life, I kind of look at them in the same way that I look at my parents. Where sometimes all that I see is my most negative characteristics reflected back at me. So much so that that's all that I can see. Pretty big lessons to learn and then talk about in front of a bunch of strangers. Weak Sauce is playing in a double bill with Home Free, which is presented by Staircase 11 Theatre Society. And it will be at the Carousel Large Studio at 1412 Cartwright Street on Granville Island. They didn't get a pick of the fringe this year, but I have uh, seen Home Free and it is perhaps hard to define, which maybe sometimes is why uh, things may not get awards. Um, but I, I loved it, actually. Um, it was right on the borderline between drama and comedy, and it, it was very darkly funny and quite uncomfortable at times, um, but excellently acted. And um, if you want to know a little bit more about that show, it's actually on this Fringy Life episode five um, by nicole kai and they talk a lot about the psychological ramifications of imaginary friends and falling in love with your brother or sister so check out home free week sauce um from september 20th um to the 22nd at 8 p.m and 20th is pay what you can so if you know you can't uh, get together 20 bucks but you really want to see the show that is a great way to do it now, uh, we actually have another special guest. Raven is here. My mother is such a fascist. She's all mad at me right now because she started calling me this morning. Only I didn't answer her at first because I didn't hear her at first because I was sitting in my room alone in the dark thinking about stuff. And then by the time I finally did hear her, she was screaming, Francis, get down here at the top of her lungs. Only I still didn't answer her because I don't answer to Francis because that's my suburban privilege name and I'm rejecting that. So my chosen name is Raven with a Y. Yeah, that that was Raven. Uh, Raven is actually Mark Scheiser and he uh, portrayed that character at the Fringe Fall where I saw his character and... I am not surprised that he got pick of the fringe for 
fishbowl. A fishbowl is four somewhat interrelated. You'll have to watch it to find out. But it's all about characters who as they could be. And they're definitely characters that if you haven't been in your life, you have definitely met. Uh, it is funny and quite poignant. And uh, he's a bit of a chameleon, Mark. And I wanted to ask him about uh, a fishbowl. The show basically consists of four characters, all of which I play. Um, they all sort of exist in their own uh, space, and they all have their own sort of story going on. So there's a teenage girl who's trying to complete her science project. She's been paired with the most popular girl in class. There is a, an, uh, an angsty teenage boy who's trying to get away from his family. Um, there's uh, an alcoholic divorcee who is... Uh, uh, complaining about her her ex husband's new relationship, and there is a a very elderly man uh, trying to plan his last words before he dies. And what's the significance of the fishbowl? The fishbowl uh, literally belongs to Esther, the teenage nerd. Um, uh, her her goldfish Frank lives in the fishbowl, and uh, he is her confidant throughout the piece. But uh, it it. It earns a greater significance towards the end of the play, but that would be getting into the spoiler version. So. What is your inspiration for Raven? Uh, he's pretty much the exact opposite of what I was at that age. Um, you weren't a you weren't a goth emo kid. No, I was poor not depth at perception because of their bangs. I was not. I was not mouthy or any anything like that. So it was kind of fun to write that that bratty character that I never got to be. <laughs> is there uh, any of the characters that you think are closest to kind of your outlook on life? Probably Esther, the nerd. Um, her costume is actually my high school uniform, only she wears it with a kilt instead of gray pants that I had to wear. But yeah, for her, for sure. And, and because you were a nerd in high school, or you feel like a nerd? Yeah, oh, I still do, for sure. And uh, just her, the way she gets excited over over abstract physics concepts is <laughs> is uh, close to my heart, I think. And what is your favorite physics concept? Oh, well, there's a, there's a joke in the show um, about the Heisenberg principle, which is the joke is Werner Heisenberg is driving down the Autobahn and a police officer pulls him over and says, do you know how fast you were going? And Heisenberg says, no, but I know where I am. Which is only funny if you know what the Heisenberg principle is. When you're observing a particle, you can, you can either know its place or you can know its velocity you, you can't accurately know both at the same time <laughs> that is funny once you know the principle <laughs> it is <laughs> um so you have traveled this show for a while now and across many fringes um can you tell me a little bit about how the play has transformed over the years um the play has had a number of different forms since it began as a half hour workshop then it was a full almost 90-minute um, piece at uh, at Buddy's for their season in, I think, 2008 or 2009. And then since coming to the Fringe, it's been shortened down, uh, shortened down to an hour, and actually this tour, we actually cut a character, so there used to be five characters. Um, but we removed one of the characters uh, and sort of rode around that to fill in the gaps. So it's changed quite a bit mm -hmm. over, the, over the three and a half years that I've been working on this piece. And what type of touches or development did having a director um, for characters that you'd written, what did that add to the process? 
Uh, definitely just having an outside eye and um, because there were things I like I remember very early on in the process um, Evelyn saying to me asking me like what these characters had in common and I sort of didn't have an answer and um, she eventually said well what I see is that there are three people who are who are lonely and that had not even crossed my mind when I was writing them but as soon as she said it it was obvious that this was this was the need that they all had um, I don't think I ever would have put that together on my own. It seems so obvious once it was in front of me, but even just having that that input in that direction is is invaluable. You know, just going off the the raving character, and you know, you also have these other characters that sometimes um, seem like they're isolating themselves on purpose. But I guess that can also be a defense mechanism. If they already feel alone, then they decide that they're going to maybe take a stand and no I'm a, I'm alone because I want to be because I'm so different but maybe they really are looking for that interaction yeah I think they they um, put on a brave face but I also think part of their problem is that each of them uh, is trying to put themselves into a relationship where they don't really belong and it's quite obvious to the other person that this is not a friendship or a romantic relationship that is going to click but they are sort of clinging to it and I think that's something that we've all done have you found anything new in in the piece as you've performed it and you know changed it and refined it? Yeah, for sure. Um, the piece is a lot about the way these characters relate, and it's interesting to remove that character and find that it almost strengthened the connections of the other four because that character, although we don't see her on stage anymore, she still exists in the script. She's still mentioned by other characters. It's like. Um, how stars that have burnt out there are stars that have burnt out but that we can still see because their light is still traveling into the earth so that's kind of to me what that that removed character is like Is there anything that is unique uh, about the Vancouver Fringe Festival that you've enjoyed or not enjoyed so far? Uh, It's going to sound like I'm pandering but I think Vancouver has the best audiences so far they're very receptive and very... Uh, one of the things with my show is having this nerdy character. There are a lot of jokes, like the Heisenberg joke, that are certain audiences just don't get. But the Vancouver audiences are very smart and seem to... They, they get the smart stuff, and they also um, are not shy about laughing at the, the raunchier side of the show. So they're very, they're very receptive and warm audiences here in Vancouver. You were talking a little bit about the fishbowl, and there's obviously the the fishbowl effect where you're kind of when you're kind of observing someone, but it's it's a bit distorted. That's interesting. I think what's what's interesting about about that idea is, and what's kind of a theme in the show is that it's kind of about what you look at. You always choose what you observe and and the connections that you can make. So the idea with this show is you have these kind of four characters, um, and you're going to the idea is you're going to see the whole world through these four characters as much as you can if they were different people you'd see a different thing and I think that's a lot of what the way we interpret the world is about it's where you choose to look and what you choose to see and that was Mark Scheiser Uh, Fishbowl has won Pick of the Fringe an outstanding solo show in Winnipeg outstanding solo performance in Edmonton audience choice in New York Uh, and uh, he met the director Evelyn Perry in a youth program who actually told him to put these sketch characters together into one man show Um, we we talked about loneliness and relationships and stuff but uh, it actually is very funny if you listen to Raven at the top of the interview so check it out at uh, Performance Works September 20th at 9pm you can check him out on Facebook at facebook.com slash 
Mark Scheiser, and on Twitter at, at Mark Scheiser, with a Y. Um, please check out all the Pick of the Fringe online. Uh, that is all for me today. Um, there was a lot of me, I'm sure, uh, but... I will podcast this second half hour if anyone is interested in listening to the fringing goodness. And um, coming up next, we have uh, Kevin, who is a new volunteer for CHR, and he will be doing a fill-in before Val, who does Folkway Oasis every Wednesday at 7 p.m. And uh, he's going to be doing some electro goodness for you. So please stay tuned. Listen to the Air Support every Wednesday at... 5 p.m. CITR 101.9 FM. CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. Happy, 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 happy,